welcome to Supernatural Podcast Episode 51 for Mystery Spot. The episode was directed by Kim Manners, the story is by Jeremy Carver and Emily McLaughlin, and the teleplay is by Jeremy Carver. The episode originally aired in the U.S. on February 14th, 2008. Let's move on to the recap with Kristen and Annie. Summary for Episode 3.11, Mystery Spot. Uh, The episode begins as Sam wakes up abruptly to the song Heat of the Moment by Asia. Dean turns it up and proceeds to mouth the lyrics and dance off the bed. Everything seems to be going as normal. We get to see how a typical morning for the Winchester boys plays out. As the boys are at breakfast, Sam briefs Dean on the case of Dexter Hasselback. Professor Hasselback was on his way to visit the town's mystery spot, where the laws of physics have no meaning. The boys go to the Broward County mystery spot. Dean doesn't believe it's anything other than a tourist trap. They visit the mystery spot, and sure enough, it looks pretty fake. But then, we as the viewers see someone watching the boys from behind a screen. The owner comes forward and accidentally shoots Dean. Dean dies in Sam's arms. Then Sam wakes up again to the same song on the radio. Dean is still alive and acts exactly the same. Sam is bewildered. He thinks that maybe it was all a dream. I had a weird dream. Yeah? Clowns are midgets. Sam's weirded out because everything at breakfast is exactly the same as yesterday. Dean insists it's deja vu. Sam's sure he's lived through this day before. Dean doesn't believe Sam about his Groundhog Day, but before Sam can fully convince him, he walks out into the street and is run over by a car. Sam wakes up in the very same way. Every day, Sam has to convince Dean that he's in some kind of a time warp. That must be exhausting. Definitely. Sam finally admits to Dean that every day he repeats, it always ends with Dean's death, and that he can't handle that anymore. Then the boys pose as reporters and question the owner of the mystery spot during the day this time. And Sam sounds a little desperate. He wants to know what's going on. Dean thinks that if they make it to Wednesday, Sam will wake up and everything will be back to normal. Then a piano falls on Dean. In the fourth Tuesday, Sam tries to figure out what caused the Groundhog Day. Dean decides to change up the details, and that that might shock them out of the Groundhog Day. But instead of ordering bacon, he orders sausage, and he proceeds to choke on that. Then we have a montage of Dean dying over and over again. He slips in the shower and dies. Then he eats a bad taco. He electrocutes himself. And Sam accidentally stabs him with an axe. A lot of the ways he died, like, normal people would not die from those things. Not at all. People would get sick, or they would get hurt, but they wouldn't die from everything. The deaths just got really bizarre, and so you kind of had to laugh. Yeah. Anyways, after seeing Dean die for, quote, 100 Tuesdays, Sam is resigned to his fate. Sam takes to mimicking Dean in order to get Dean to believe that he has been through this Tuesday before. You You think think you're you're being funny, but you're you're being really, really childish. Sam Winchester wears makeup. Sam Winchester cries his way through sex. Dean thinks to ask the girl that has been knocking into his shoulder every Tuesday what she's holding. Dean finds out she is the missing man's daughter. While Sam is off talking to the girl, Dean is mauled to death by a golden retriever. Sam's starting to get used to Dean dying every day, as long as he knows he will wake up the next day. So one day, Sam notices that one of the customers that has, for 100 Tuesdays now, had maple syrup, and today, all of a sudden, it was strawberry. And then he wakes up before Dean dies, and he knows something is up. 
Sam figures out it was a trickster who was sticking him in this time loop. The trickster is trying to get Sam to realize he can never save his brother. Oh, and uh, an important thing to point out is he's the same trickster they fought before. They weren't they thought that they'd killed him. But we as the viewers knew he didn't die because at the end of the episode his uh, mirage trickster vanished and the real trickster was standing there eating candy bar. Uh, so this is when Sam and Dean find out that they didn't actually kill him. The trickster wakes Sam up from the dream, and it's Wednesday. While outside packing up the Impala, a mugger shoots Dean for his wallet. Even though it's the next day, Dean still dies. Then Sam goes through three months without Dean. He keeps hunting evil, and he's on a crusade. He's obsessed, much like his father was. And it's actually a really creepy scene, because, you know, he just gets, like, really desensitized to everything. Like, you see him, like, sewing up, like, picking out a bullet from his own stomach and then sewing himself up. He's just totally numb at that point to life. It, it was kind of weird, because you, you go through the first half of the episode as reliving the same day over and over again. Then there's this weird middle part of the episode where he, three months pass... You see this scene, he's driving in the car, and then all of a sudden you hear Bobby say, It's been three months, why haven't you called me? Anyways, so Bobby calls Sam. He's found a way to summon the trickster. Sam has to spill a gallon of fresh blood. Basically, kill an innocent person. Bobby offers up his own body because he doesn't want Sam to murder an innocent man. Which Sam was totally willing to do. Anyways, Sam figures out Bobby is a mirage created by the trickster and stabs him in the back with a stake. For a minute there, Sam thinks he killed the real Bobby, but then the trickster shows up. Sam begs the trickster to bring Dean back. Sam promises they won't come after him if he takes them back to that Wednesday. The trickster has been trying to teach Sam a lesson. Nothing good comes out of Sam and Dean's need to sacrifice themselves for each other. He says the bad guys know that Dean is his weakness. The trickster said it all stopped being fun months ago, and Sam wakes up on that same Wednesday he had three months ago. Sam is so happy to have Dean back that he gives him a big old hug. Dude, how many Tuesdays did you have? Sam is still a little uneasy. You don't look so good. Something else happened? I just had a really weird dream. Clowns or midgets? Anyways, I would give this episode a B- because it was it was good. It was an interesting concept. I liked that they did their own take on a Groundhog Day and that Dean kept dying at the end of every day. It was like a commentary on how Sam is going to um, have to deal if Dean dies. And he kind of realizes that he cannot. So that was interesting. But at the same time, it was a really slow episode. The first half, as I mentioned before, was just the same day over and over again, and while I understand that that had to happen for us to fully grasp that Sam kept spending, you know, he was so frustrated, it was kind of annoying, because you're like, okay, I get it, he's in the same day over and over again, we've been in this diner for forever, and then there's this weird random part where he's gone for three months and Dean's dead, and I don't think they gave enough time to that. But I would give this episode probably the same, probably a B. Like Kristen said, it was kind of slow, uh, but it was still a good episode. I'm Kristen. And I'm Annie. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for the recap. Next, we have analysis and theories in my discussion with Josh. Hi, this is Ellen. This is Josh. So, overall, what did you think? Um, well, I really enjoyed uh, the supernatural take on the whole time loop Groundhog's Day scenario. Um, despite the fact that I felt there was a really strong change in tone at the end and a weird explanation for the trickster's involvement. But despite all that, I thought it was a good episode. Me too. I really liked it. I loved the time loop concept and... I thought that it wasn't just a standalone because you did find out some stuff about Dean's destiny, but you're right about that, like part one and part two. And we haven't seen that happen in a while. Right. <laughs> the last time was when we saw the crossroads demon when she made the deal with Dean. Oh, right. And the weird little coda at the end. Let's talk about Jared. How great was he? Weren't we just <laughs> saying that he never gets the chance to have a good role in a good episode? And then they give him, like, the best one imaginable. Yeah, he did a really good job. And I think that it was probably fun for Jensen to be the comic relief instead of having to be serious. Oh, definitely. Because he used to be that person, even though right. it was kind of over the top a little bit. Like, good morning, Sammy. You know, the, right. who's that perky that early in the morning with a caffeine dependency? Of course, the fun part of the episode was all of Dean's many death scenes. <laughs> and they started out really traumatic for <laughs> Sam and then just kind of evolved into a montage of really funny moments. He had some really good ones in there. You know, and then you find out that Sam had lived through a hundred days, and you're like, oh man, poor guy. Yeah, I'm kidding. He's got to become desensitized after a while. He has to. I mean, but <laughs> some of those happen really quickly. Slip in the shower. I mean, who gets electrocuted on a razor anyway? <laughs> no kidding. And who pets a growling dog? That's right. It's like Murphy's Law just converged on Dean. I liked how Sam was so perceptive that he noticed the changes. Because the day was identical, day after day after day, except, you know, the result was different. But, like, the people were all the same, and he learned all that stuff about all those people. And then he was perceptive enough to notice the change with the strawberry syrup. Right. And that was the tip-off. And I was watching for something different, and I saw that it was strawberry, but I didn't know that was any different than the other day. So, I mean, after all those days, I mean, can you think, like, 100 days of the same thing? Wouldn't you just want to give up? Like, you wouldn't <laughs> be still actively looking for a way out. You just kind of surrender. Well, I think they did a really good job of, you know, demonstrating the kind of frustration that you would feel if you had to relive the same day over and over. And you've got Sam's increasing irritation contrasted with Dean's good-natured, oblivious confusion. Yep, that's right. And even the look on Sam's face, like it wasn't just what he was saying and how he was saying it, but his actual like persona, like right. the makeup department did a good job because he just looked paler and paler and kind of sick. Dean thought, what's going on? He's like, just eat your breakfast. So tired of dealing with it at that point. And trying to explain what was going on day after day. I mean, can you only imagine? Because Dean is pretty skeptical. Right. He was just like, oh, I'm so tired of going through this. Oh, I thought a great scene of that was when um, Sam demonstrated how that he knew what was going to happen every day by predicting what Dean was going to say. And then they ended up you know, speaking at the same time. And I wonder how many takes it took for them to get them to speak at exactly the same pace. Like we were saying with the death scenes, I like how they were showing everything quickly, but in a way that was showing passage of time. You know, right. so you didn't have to deal with the same thing over and over again. You know, at the first, they explained it all. You went through like a whole day and then it got shorter and shorter. But they did a really good job of showing instead of just saying, yeah, I've lived through 100 days. Like it actually gave you the idea 
by right. seeing enough of each of the scenes to know what was going to happen. So I thought they did a really good job with the editing. It was well done, and it was it was good to show. They were different enough to show that Sam was trying something different every day to try to keep Dean alive. You know, and they do show sort of the mundane day-to-day things that happen, which is unusual for a TV series. Like, you never see your characters in a bathroom brushing their teeth at a TV show. Oh. Like, they just you just kind of assume those things happen, but you just don't see it. So, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, don't see them tying their shoes or anything like that. That was true. And it does show how much that, you know, they spend a lot of time alone together. They've got to be, you know, getting on each other's nerves enough without having to relive the same day over and over again. Oh, no kidding. Like what happened in Tall Tales. Should we talk about the trickster? Sure. Did you expect it to be a trickster? Well, you know, I didn't up until when he chased him out. And that's the, you know, first idea I got before he mentioned it. But no, I didn't. I thought it would be something to do with reality changing since in the beginning they kind of flashed on the trickster and the the genie guy, you know, people who did mess with that kind of stuff. But I didn't predict that it was him. Yeah, I didn't either. You know, and that's actually was kind of interesting about that. Um, I like what they did at the beginning with the recap, because instead of just giving us like the recap about the trickster, they did show the gin. They showed other stuff. They right. showed Bella in the, the cult. I mean, Ruby in the cult and all this other stuff. Right. And they usually do that. They usually say, here is the guy you're going to be facing. So I like what they did there because I didn't expect it to be a trickster. I thought maybe, like you said, you know, some other creature that can alter time and, and travel and so forth. So I thought that was kind of neat. Or maybe he was in a wormhole and he was repeating the same thing again and again. Yeah, because they said that professor went into a wormhole. I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't, like I said, I didn't expect the trickster. And his MO changed a little bit. Instead of like working on the boys like he did last time where he played them against each other, this time it was just one-sided to teach a lesson. Like that seemed good in a way, you know, because the trickster is powerful enough to do that. But it made me wonder what his intentions were. Oh, absolutely. And that was my big gripe about the episode. And I couldn't understand his motivation. And I don't know if it's going to be revealed later and we just have to wait or if it's just going to be dropped. It's like, why was he putting Sam through that? He said it was to teach him a lesson, but why teach him a lesson? Why care at all what's going on with Sam? Exactly. He just seems like this guy who doesn't really take anything seriously. I wonder what the role of the trickster is then in the supernatural universe, because he just seemed like somebody who was just kind of fun loving and liked to have his own way and was very self-absorbed and, but all powerful. Yeah. And here he's like, I don't know, seems like he's invested in Sam's future and what's going to happen with him and this upcoming war and all that. And we don't have any indication why he would care. I mean, he seems like way too powerful to care about that stuff. Exactly. Unless he is working for kind of the good side. Right. And that's what I kept waiting for that to be pointed out. Like, oh, maybe, you know, he's doing a favor for Ruby or I don't know, some reason why he was trying to, you know, make Sam grow up and learn how to live life without Dean, you know, other than just messing with him. It seems so strange. You know, I, I liked the idea of somebody coming in and trying to knock some sense into Sam. But maybe the trickster wasn't the right one to do that. Because like you said, he doesn't, his MO is, you know, taking people down that are too full of themselves and just having fun and joking around. And and he even mentions, oh, this, you know, stopped being fun months ago. So why did he keep it up? And plus, you know, there's a danger of 
somebody that powerful becoming too much of an out. You know, if he's used too often, it's just convenient. So it's just something they had to be careful of. And they could have introduced a different type of demon, one that does time travel or that um, specializes in going back in time right. or something, you know. I'm sure there are lots of other demons that can do that sort of thing. Yeah, or stick with the X-Files explanation and actually be a wormhole, you know, or yep. <laughs> the mystery spot. Yeah, the mystery spot could have turned out to be legit. Exactly, but instead they went this way with Sam's training, and yeah, and we still don't know why the trickster is the trainee. And what didn't make sense to me was that whole let's play it all out so Sam can become this vengeful, scary person. And ignoring all Bobby's calls and stuff like that whole scene where it played out and then Bobby shows up, you know, all of that, that just seems all really unnecessary. I thought it was so weird. I mean, his whole vengeance montage, I I can understand why they're doing it in a way, you know, they're trying to make him grow up really fast. They just do this crazy montage and it, but it felt like such a huge shift in tone from the rest of the episode's black comedy that it felt like it was part of a completely different episode. Yeah, and it seemed to go on a little bit too long. I don't know, just showing like Sam making the bed and putting his trying to put his life in order and all this fun stuff. It, right. it seemed that the trickster should have appeared earlier or that I mean, didn't Sam grow up fast enough anyway just losing his dad, having his mom and girlfriend and I mean like everybody he's ever loved he's lost except for Dean. It was just yeah. kind of overkill. It was it was weird because it's like on one hand, they're like, yeah, you need to be really tough because Dean's got to be gone and you can't depend on him. But on the other hand, it's like you care too much about Dean and you have to learn how to live life without him. So was it good that he acted all crazy tough and just bad that he was obsessing over Dean? I, I couldn't understand what the goal was of you know what they were putting him through. Yeah, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense either. I mean, it depends on the way the, the direction. Are they going to save Dean, Dean or not? And I know... We're probably not going to find out till you know the fourth new episode or something what really happens, or maybe right. it'll be a cliffhanger and we'll find out next season. We already have that set up, or we know Dean is going to be gone. Like we know what Ruby has said. We know everybody's saying that he's gone. That's it. You're not getting another chance. Crossroads demons. I mean, everything is built that up. So we didn't need the trickster to also build that up, except <laughs> to prolong this agony. You know. And I have to admit that the whole the montage at the end made me scared of the season return of seasons to too much angst you know i mean they're always going to have angst that's just the nature of their personalities but <laughs> we saw what happened last season when that balance was upset we even had the color shift you know this season has had the new coloring and the end of this episode had the old kind of washed out season one and two color hues him dealing with dean dying is obviously going to be a big deal but we're dealing with it before dean actually dies so I know. Please hope that it doesn't actually happen and we don't have to go through the angst thing. Season question, how is Dean going to get out of this deal? Because obviously nobody has a solution. Even, you know, these powerful demons don't have a solution. I mean, is Dean actually going to have to die and then be resurrected somehow? Or is he going to become a demon and, or, you know, die and then help from the underground? (laughs) (laughs) Right. There are all sorts of ideas flying around the fandom, and I think none of them are working all that well. You better come up with something really good. Everyone, like you said, everyone is telling us 
there's no way out. As viewers, we're very skeptical because they're obviously the main character, so you can't really just get rid of him. Yeah, now Dean is actually going to be a demon, and he's just going to climb up out of some portal and hang out with Sam. He's going to be a crossroads demon now. (laughs) Yeah, especially since it could take, you know, hundreds or thousands of years for him to actually become a demon. So you don't just, like, snap your fingers and suddenly you're a demon. (laughs) Right. This isn't bewitched, you know. <laughs> and John was dead for a while, you know, and he didn't. He got out without becoming a demon. The same by the same token, we don't know what's going to happen to Dean or how he's going to get out of it. But I'm also wondering, are we ever going to find out, you know, why Sam is so important that all these people are so interested in him? Because seriously, it's these vague references to the upcoming battle, and the bad guys are all after him, and the good guys are taking interest in him, but they never actually say specifically why yeah i mean they made such a big deal out of you know sam with his resurrection and the the demon blood in him and the whole special children story arc i mean none of that has panned out they're still like yeah you're so important well maybe it'd be nice if they showed us why he was so important instead of just everybody saying it all the time exactly and i'm sure they're just trying to build the suspense but come on (laughs) give us something I'd appreciate it. Yeah, just don't spring stuff on us, like a big (laughs) battle. The thing that really bothered me was that you kept seeing their breath. The episode took place in South Florida. And now, (laughs) yes, they're filming in Canada. It's winter in Canada. And they're trying to pass it off as being South Florida. And the set looked fine. You know, everything looked okay. Except that you would see the breath of the characters on screen. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, now I've been to Florida. Even in the depths of winter, it doesn't get as cold as it does anywhere in Canada. <laughs> you know, it deserves no comparison. They're obviously always a little overdressed for the parts of the country they go to, too, considering how Dean's always wearing a huge coat and yeah. <laughs> the perils of filming in Canada. Like the breakfast sausages? <laughs> Gotta be a Canadian thing, because I tell you, I've never seen sausages that big at a breakfast <laughs> restaurant in the United States. They were pretty huge. And I grew up in Wisconsin. They have all sorts of sausages there. (laughs) That had to be a sausage big enough for him to choke on. That's getting weird. (laughs) I apologize. I know. When I was thinking about the sausage thing, I'm like, oh, this is some bad connotations. We have have to (laughs) gently glide over this one. (laughs) (laughs) And I stomp all over it. Okay. So we know that the yellow-eyed demon really was this, you know, it was Azel. It was a real life demon you know depending on which religion you practice but it's based on like a true myth or legend or whatever you want to call it one of the listeners sent in a possible name of the threat the leader in the west who won't won't allow sam to come to power as leviathan oh yes now i had to look up leviathan because i'm not up on my biblical lore but leviathan is a huge water serpent, sometimes known as an alligator, sometimes some other sort of sea creature, and it's aligned with water and west, and it's possibly one of the four princes of hell. That was by the guy who wrote the Satanic Bible, so I assume the dude knows his demons pretty well. And I realized that it really is some sort of sea creature that supposedly when we have the, you know, judgment day come, he's going to crawl out of the water and eat all the men and send them to hell or something or other. You know, that he's pretty high up, like Azazel. I wonder if maybe, 
you know, the listener's on to something on that, you know, as a possible leader. He definitely has the West alignment going on there. Yeah, so I is, wonder who else it could be. That is interesting because they did, you know, make a big point to say from the West. So Yes. And I don't, you know, and West is water, depending on where you are. If you're in the United States, like our boys are, West is the Pacific Ocean. Right. So it could actually literally mean West water, or it could just mean somebody cool in California, or <laughs> right, <laughs> or uh, Montana, or you know something else west of the Mississippi. You don't know how to perceive that, and they've only made the mention once, but that might be enough to give us some clues. So and so, if anyone has any other ideas, please send them in because it would be interesting if we could predict who it might be before it happens. <laughs> right. Granted, it's not going to happen in the next episode. <laughs> Maybe not even the next season. Who knows? Perhaps. <laughs> it did make me laugh when uh, Dean asked Sam if it was cool when he got hit by the car. And Sam <laughs> says, you peed yourself. And Dean's all, of course I peed myself. Man gets hit by a car, you think he has full control of his bladder? Because those deaths really did look like you were watching Final Destination. It did, it did. I thought of the bus scene when he got clobbered. I had two favorites. One was when Sam orders for Dean to show him that he knows what he's going to do before he does it. And Dean says, ooh, I get all tingly when you take control like that. And then my other favorite one was when Sam said he had a weird dream and Dean asked, clown or midget? Wouldn't clowns be a scary dream for Sam? Yeah, I bet it would. But I wonder if midgets are scary to Sam too. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, the guy is like 20 feet tall. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we have one new episode now. And then right. starting April 24th, we're going to get four more. Woohoo! <laughs> They're supposed to start production. I think they said it was like mid-March. Next, let's talk about legends and references. The first is Mystery Spot. It's a tourist attraction located in Santa Cruz, California, which, which opened in 1939. The operators of the small site, which is about 150 feet in diameter, claim that it's a place where the laws of physics and gravity do not apply and provide a number of demonstrations in support of these claims. At the site, an old shed appears to have lost part of its foundation and is slanted and oddly angled. Several of the phenomena described by the tour guides and by visitors using levels includes two people standing on opposite sides of a level surface and appear to change height, and a ball that appears to roll up a plank. The official website speculates that extraterrestrials buried unearthly metals or a spaceship beneath the spot, or that carbon dioxide seeps out of the Earth. There are mystery spots such as this all over the United States. The mystery spot in this episode was located in Broward County, Florida. So let's move on to time loop. A time loop or temporal loop is a common plot device in science fiction, especially in universes where time travel is commonplace, in which a time runs normally for a set period, usually a day or a few hours, but then skips back like a broken record. When the time loop resets, the memories of most characters are reset, i.e. they forget all that happened. This situation resembles the mythological punishment of Sisyphus, who was condemned to repeatedly push a stone uphill only to have it roll back down once he reached the top, and Prometheus, condemned to have his liver torn out and eaten by an eagle every morning. The plot is advanced, however, by having one or more central characters retain their memory or become aware of the loop through déjà vu. One well-known example of this is the 1993 film Groundhog's Day, which was referenced in this episode, although time loops have appeared in many fictional works prior to that. Stories with time loops commonly center on correcting past mistakes or on getting a character to recognize some key truth. Escape from the loop then may follow. And of course, the trickster returned for this episode. We were introduced to him last season in Tall Tales, 
As we discussed in Tall Tales, a trickster is a demigod-like immortal creature that thrives on creating mischief and mayhem. With the power to make objects materialize out of thin air, the trickster accomplishes its destructive feats via unusual and sometimes humorous means. It's intent to humble the self-important. The trickster's metabolism is such that it craves sugary treats and consumes calories voraciously. To kill a trickster, one must obtain a stake dipped in the blood of its victim and plunge it into the creature's heart. A famous trickster you might be aware of is Loki from Scandinavian myth. There was also a wormhole. It's a hypothetical tunnel connecting two different points in space-time in such a way that a trip through the wormhole could take much less time than a journey between the same starting and ending points in normal space. The ends of a wormhole could, in theory, be intra-universe, i.e. they both exist in the same universe, or inter-universe, which exist in different universes and thus serve as connecting passages between the two. So we had some trivia. Dean had the quote, Dingo ate my baby crazy. Well, in 1980 at Uluru in Ayers Rock, Lindy and Michael Chamberlain claimed a dingo took their baby Azaria from her tent. The claim was widely ridiculed, and Lindy was later convicted of murder and Michael as an accessory. Although a body was never found, new evidence indicating a dingo was probably responsible led to both sets of charges being overturned in 1988. A dingo is a type of wild dog, probably descended from the Southern East Asian wolf. It is commonly described as an Australian wild dog, but not restricted to Australia, nor did it originate there. Modern dingoes are found throughout Southeast Asia, mostly in small pockets of remaining natural forest, and in mainland Australia, particularly in the north. They have features in common with both wolves and modern dogs, and are regarded as more or less unchanged descendants of an early ancestor of modern dogs. So we had a couple songs in this episode, Heat of the Moment by Asia and Back in Time by Huey Lewis in the News. The song of the night tonight is Sand in the Hourglass by Brian Mezzaferi. Check out the website at brianmezzaferi.com. The song is brought to you tonight by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Enjoy!
last new episode until April 24th when it looks like we'll have four more episodes to round out the shortened season three. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Podcast. You can visit my website at supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com or send me an email at supernaturalpodcast at gmail.com. Please note that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and not of the producers of Supernatural or The CW. Audio clips played on this podcast are property of The CW and no infringement is intended. Some of the music heard here is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. 